Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. And welcome to another episode of Ride Around the Road. Today we aren't going very far. We're still on the eastern seaboard of Australia and I'm talking to the beautiful Burr Carroll. Good afternoon, Burr. Good afternoon, Mel. Yeah, and we're here to celebrate the release of your new novel, which will have been out for a very short time when we go to air, but today is actually release day, which is really exciting, and it's the missing piece of Sophie McCarthy. Burr, congratulations. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. Now, this is actually um, this is actually Burr's eighth novel, but it's your first, is it a psychological thriller? It's a psychological thriller. It's the first novel I've written under B.M. Carroll. Um, and I have had quite a number of people contacting me saying, is that you? And yes, it is me. So, Yeah. And now changing the first lot of novels that Burr has published to great success, I believe, uh, they're called, you call them contemporary fiction or commercial fiction. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Contemporary fiction. Um, and this is just a slightly different genre. It's still about real people um, who are pushed to extreme things, but there's a higher level of suspense and there's a lot more at stake in the novel, which um, is why I used a different name. Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind talking about uh, different names and how, how you manage that and how you market that in a moment. Uh, but you talk about, I guess... In your, in your mainstream novels, in your uh, women's novels, which is, I don't like that term at all, but I guess that's where, where you get put, uh, you talk about relationships, you talk about breakdowns, um, belonging, identity, abandonment, abandonment, and someone mentioned that you give an authentic voice to the everyday conflict women face in modern life. So you've become known from that, for that and you have a bit of a following, don't you? I I do have a bit of a following. I hope my readers will come over to this as well. I think they will. I think women are generally very widely read um, and um, quite flexible in what they read. And this um, new novel, it's not a thriller exactly or a crime. Um, there's just a higher level of suspense in it. And, and I guess the other distinguishing factor is with my previous novels, my characters were generally likable people who had been through some horrible things. But, you know, the um, reader knew that um, they liked the main character in particular. Whereas with the new novel, the reader isn't sure whether to like um, Sophie or not like Sophie. Yeah. And do we like Aiden? Um, Luke, similarly, um, you maybe like Aiden or not like Aiden. You will be. Um, it will take a while to make up your mind about all the characters. All right. Now, I'll be honest, everybody. I've been madly trying to download a sample so that I could have a little bit of a fossick and a sticky beak at your new novel, Burr. But because it's not released yet and it'll be released internationally, everyone, uh, at Christmas, I couldn't get in and have a look. So you're going to have to tell us what it's all about. All right. Well, look, the, actually, it will be released today in, in Australian paperback and it will be released um, ebook today, but maybe you're ahead of the technology. When I say today, it might be UK time rather than Australian time that the ebook is available for download. Um, so the, um, the book is about um, Sophie McCarthy um, and it 
Sophie was injured due to the carelessness of someone else and that someone happens to be her partner, um, Aidan. Um, and, um, you know, she feels her, her life has been very badly impacted, her health, her relationships, her career. Um, and for somebody who was, you know, a very determined person, very successful in her career, very successful in life, it's particularly hard for her to accept. And it's particularly hard for her family to accept. And so the book really looks at Sophie um, and her family, and it looks at Aidan and his family and follows the fallout um, of this particular incident. And I can't really say what the incident is because it will be would be giving something away, but um, it follows those two families and it tells a story from um, every, you know, the six, seven different voices telling the story um, and how this particular incident has impacted them. Yeah, now your contemporary novels always have dual narratives as well, I notice. Um, not always. Um, a couple of them have, um, and but I've never done anything remotely um, uh, as ambitious as this before. I've written, um, I think it's seven. I thought it was six, but last night I counted. It was actually seven different voices in the first person, which any self-respecting author would say is complete madness. Um, and I was you know, quite worried when I sent the book initially to my publishers and to my agents. I thought I'm going to get murdered for doing this. Um, um, but everybody seems to agree, even though it's generally a very bad idea to um, write that many different perspectives, that it works in this book um, for some reason. But um, hopefully it does, and hopefully the reader will like it. Yeah. Now, writing seven first-person voices, uh, that would take a bit of an experienced writer. Do not try this at home, everybody, if this is your first novel that you're <laughs> writing. Uh, but don't forget, uh, Burr's got uh, seven novels under her belt already. Now, has this one taken longer to write than the others? It actually didn't take longer to write than the others. It came out very, very easily and very clearly and had a very strong sense of who Sophie was and, you know, what she was capable of and what she would do and not do. Um, the editing, though, of this novel was particularly difficult and it was because it was um, put together so tightly and all those different perspectives that if you changed anything, um, it had a domino effect and it was very difficult book to edit. So um, I guess you pay for all books at some stage, uh, some stage whether you're in in writing of it, it's difficult or whether the editing is difficult. But in this particular book, it was the editing that was really hard, not the writing. Yeah. So that means I'm guessing that it was uh, tightly plotted and you would have had to spend a fair bit of time in the planning stages. Well, look, I have to put my hand up and admit I'm not a person who plans in advance. Um, and I wish I was because I would save myself an awful lot of work if I was one of those people. Um, I generally wait and see where the story takes me and then I go back and I change what I need to change. Um, um, but this story came out very cohesively. So um, even though I didn't actually know what was going to happen and I didn't really know what Sophie was going to do, um, it still came out very cohesively. Um, but um, it was a book where um, even though I didn't plan it and I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, I did have a coloured spreadsheet with all these different voices so I could figure out who was talking where because I very quickly lost track of um, who I had um, and what was happening. I love the idea of a coloured spreadsheet, everyone. Now, you're renowned for your strong female characters. 
Yes, uh, it's kind of a bit of a trademark of mine. Um, and I think it comes back from I started my career in the corporate world. And I'm a, I've always admired women who've had a career and have had a purpose. And I've been unable to write, you know, ditzy characters, ditzy women. I've always wanted to write about smart women and motivated women and, and the kind of women that I know from work. Yeah, that's all of and, us is everybody, yeah. isn't it? We're, we're all, you're describing every one of us. Yes, I am. And, and, and I think sometimes with um, fiction and commercial fiction, um, women are dumbed down. So, um, you know, I'd like to look at, you know, what they do and their career. And their career has always been very important to me and um, that they have um, a purpose. Now, I mean, Sophie is very, very career driven. Um, and in, in some ways, she's one of those people who takes it too far. Um, and I, in this book, I had a look at, you know, what are the lines between harassment and persistence? Because, you know, we all have those persistent people at work that sit on you until you get something done. Um, but there obviously is a line where um, that becomes harassment, where um, um, it's no longer acceptable to be constantly asking, are you finished, are you finished, are you finished? Um, and I wanted Sophie to help me look into the areas of, you know, the corporate world as to, you know, what is corporate bullying? Um, what's acceptable and not acceptable, particularly in today's world where we have access to our staff 24-7. And um, I know I remember when I was um, in the um, corporate environment working on a particular project and getting phone calls at 11 o'clock at night and then waking up at 6 o'clock the next morning to, you know, 20 more emails about the same thing and um, expecting progress. And all I'd done was been asleep. So there is... Um, there is that aspect to the book of um, looking at that corporate world and the pressures we put on ourselves and the facade that we adopt at work and things like that. Yeah, and it's interesting too, we've been watching shows like Janet King and Crownies and we, we're seeing a lot of, I guess, very strong women in very powerful roles come through more and more. So it's only natural that that spills over into our into our fiction, would you think? Yes, I think so. And if they've been around, you know, my first novel was about a woman in the corporate world. And I think I've, that was, um, um, had more romance base. Um, but now eight novels later, it's a, um, I'm taking a, a different angle again. But, you know, I like to have, um, to read books. I like to read about interesting, strong women who know what they're doing and maybe in a dilemma personally, but, um, maybe not so with their career. And um, so, look, it has been an important theme for me. Um, and that's the one thing I could say, even though some of my books are, you know, quite different to each other, that's the one um, thing that has remained consistent. Yeah, and the decision to go with a... It's not even really a pseudonym, is it? Just the initials of your name? No, it's just, yes, and I did that from the very first page of this book um, because the book felt different to me. And um, and then when I sent it into the publisher with B.M. Carroll on it, I had a little wobble and I thought, oh, I'm not sure I want to be B.M. Carroll. And they said, no, actually, that's quite a good idea being B.M. Carroll. And um, Burr has always caused a lot of confusion. So they were probably very happy to see the back of Burr because nobody's ever really known if it's, you know, male or female or even how to say it. So, um, I think they're quite happy that I'm now BN Carol. 
Yeah. Now I've got to confess, everybody, the very first question I asked was, Burr, how do you pronounce your name? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Now you've had, you've had a lot of success with your, with your contemporary fictions, with, with your women novels, and I'm guessing that your readers really relate to your characters. Is, is that the kind of feedback that you're getting? Yes, and and look, I I like to write books where people can relate to the characters, and and even though Sophie is not as likable as my other characters, everybody knows a Sophie. They're that person at work who you half admire and half hate, um, and it's very important to me that when I'm writing that people go you know, that they can identify with the people in it. It's not my intention to create people who aren't reflective of, of real life. And I think that's when books get interesting is when you take real life and you take real people and push them to extremes and see what happens. Yeah, real life, real people are pushing to extremes. I'm, I'm making notes as we speak. Now, you are, <laughs> you are a bit of a mentor. You do speak about writing and publishing a bit down in Sydney, don't you? I do um, when I do talks. I mean, when you um, tour and do library talks, there's always, always um, aspiring writers in the audience. And because we've all been in, you know, that place, um, I do try and talk to them in particular afterwards. Um, and, And they're always very interested in how you write. And, of course, every writer writes differently um, and the most important thing when it comes to writing is to actually write and to get started and not to be too hung up on the process. Now you are part of a book club with two other authors uh, Diane Blacklock and Leanne Moriarty and the three of you you all write similar books do you or you just you complement each other? Um, we all write contemporary fiction and that's quite a broad category we do complement each other um, in that um, I do think Leanne is funnier than what I am, <laughs> and um, she has got quite a dry, humorous touch to her books. And um, not saying that mine aren't funny at all, but I, you know, I do think there's an underlying humour there. Um, and so we've we've all got together because at the time we had the same publisher. And as you might know, Mel, writing is a very lonely profession. And um, we got the idea that we would do a few events together a year. We would do a newsletter together. And we really enjoy it when we um, get together because we have a lot of fun and it's a really nice dynamic between the three of us. Now, I just want to very quickly, because I know you've got to go, I want to very quickly talk about uh, Kissing the Blarney Stone. Now, Burr is from Ireland, everybody. We've all been and kissed the Blarney Stone. Do you go home very often? Um, I go home every year and a half to two years. I'm actually going home for Christmas. Yeah, going to Ireland in winter. I, I was really excited for you too. You said that, and I thought we were in Ireland at Christmas, and it was freezing. Well, I haven't been in Ireland um, for Christmas since I think for sixteen years. Um, I've only ever been back for Christmas once since I've come to live here so um, I'm very excited by it Um, and my children are very excited but I think they have no idea what the weather is going to be really like because the last few times we've been there it's been July and it's been really sunny and they think Ireland is this really sunny place and that's not true as you and I know. 
I think it rained almost the whole time we were there. Uh, now you're published. <laughs> you're published internationally. Uh, so you, are you having a launch while you're over there? Um, look, probably. My family won't be able to resist having a launch. They do like a party, so <laughs> there probably will be a launch. This party could go on for everybody. It's like when you fly over the international dateline, you can keep having birthdays. Yes. Well, my, my brother, who is who lives here as well, um, turned 40 um, in June, and he celebrated in Australia, Ireland, and Canada. And with three different lots of family, it was like the birthday party that just never um, ended. So um, I think the book launch will be a little bit like that. Yeah, you could write a story about that, couldn't you? All right, just before you I could. let you go, yeah, just before I let you go, uh, tell us about the hardest thing about writing. The hardest thing about writing is definitely proofreading. Um, if you've, you know, written a, a couple of drafts of your novel and gone through editing, structural and copy editing, and then um, it goes to the proofreading stage and authors are always asked to proofread as well as other people. And there's nothing more excruciating than proofreading something you've already read, you know, 10, 15, 20 times. So um, that's my pet hate. I'd rather clean my bathrooms than proofread my own, my own books. <laughs> and uh, finally, the very, very best thing, other than opening the door and finding someone delivering you champagne, what, what, what do you like the best about uh, the writing life? Because you're a full-time writer. Um, I think I really like the surprise. I like not knowing what's going to happen. Um, and people find that um, surprising with me because I used to work in finance and they imagine that I'm somebody who plans everything. And I do in other parts of life, but not when it comes to writing. I like being surprised and I like um, creating something that I, I didn't see coming and, and a story that ends in a way that I didn't see coming and, and trusting that you know, the ending will come to me when I don't start out with it in mind. So um, it really is an amazing thing. And it's almost like the universe helps you put this story together. And, um, and and at the end, you look at it and you look at the finished product and you think, you know, where on earth did that come from? And did it really come from me? And I, I think it does come from me, but also come there is some X factor in there that I can't explain. Yeah, and I think you talked a little bit about um, birthing children and if all your books were children, you would have children of various ages by now. Um, yes, I do. Well, my children are teenagers now. Um, and um, look, they're great writing. They provide great writing material, children. <laughs> and there's always something that happens or with some stories they come home with and you go, really? Um, and they also, they just teach you a lot about life. Um, when I look back to my very first novel, I didn't have children and, um, I feel I'm a much wiser person now that I do and I just know more about life generally. Yeah. And they take you in direct directions that you never thought you would go as well. And the other thing yeah. that, um, Bert is, is quite famous for is her dog. As I scroll through the Facebook page, um, <laughs> is it PJ was his name? He gets quite it's a lot of mentions. PJ. It's so funny that you say that Mel, because I was not a dog person at all until I got this dog and I didn't want the dog. I was begged and begged and begged and begged for years to get a dog and I resisted and resisted and resisted and then I read something my daughter had written a big long story about you know wanting a dog and how sad she was and I caved in um 
And now I love that dog more than anybody loves that dog. So it's really funny. So it's again, it's just one of those things. But like children, um, animals also can take you in a direction that you you know you never saw coming. And and it is quite wondrous that um, you can continue to learn and change um, as you get older. Yeah, and those things come out in your stories as well, I think. Uh, You can either have a cat leaning across your laptop as you type or you can have a dog at your feet looking at you with a tennis ball saying, hurry up and get your story finished, I want to go and play. (laughs) Exactly right. Yeah. Okay, everyone, I'm going to let let Bert go because I know she's got stuff to do. But in the great traditions, I've always loved Maeve Benchy. Uh, We've got a lot of current Irish writers coming through, you know, Marion Keyes and all these famous people, Maggie O'Farrell, Jojo Myers. And now we have Burr or B, B.M. Carroll coming through as well. (laughs) Thank you. 